Hey everyone, welcome to episode 226, Lessons for My Dad from Heaven. Welcome to the Harmony in the Home podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hutchison. I'm a counselor, a life coach, and most importantly, an imperfect mom doing this work right along with you. And my goal on our podcast is to go from chaos to calm, feel less frazzled and have more fun within your four walls to have more harmony in your home. So if you didn't listen last week, I don't want to break the news again, but my sweet, amazing, wonderful, loving, kind, caring, humble father has earned his angel wings and is in heaven, which sounds impossible to be saying out loud because I live a lot of my day in denial. But then when I say it out loud, it kind of takes away that veil of denial. So last week we listened to him part one when he was on the podcast, and I thought we this week we could listen to part two because you can just hear so much of his heart and he has so many nuggets of wisdom that can help every single parent and every single child. He's left such a legacy of unconditional love that it has to be shared. So without further ado, take it away, Dad. So we talked last week about all the things raising three girls. He was the only male in the home. I want to talk to him today about what it was like when we messed up and did funky things that funky cold Medina would be like, say what? And your sister Barb, she was always on the straight and narrow, right? Yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't nearly as outgoing as uh, I was. And she was more reserved. And uh, my mother had a lot more control over. She was a good student. That's another story, but uh, she was a very good student. But uh, sometimes her and my mother didn't quite get along, and and uh, she kind of suffered through it, and I kind of rebelled. Mm. And, so she uh, got quiet. She got smaller, and then you got more loud about it. I don't know if I should say this or not. Oh, dear. Here we go. <laughs> Never know what's going to come out of his mouth. My parents, probably before I was born, they went on a trip together, and she came back, and she had this. I'm saying about a 14-inch little green canoe paddle. Oh, dear. Here we go. And so she'd always, I'd, I'd be, again, she was asking for stuff that was very normal, but I'd rebel. And all of a sudden, she'd get that paddle, and she'd come chase. She wanted, what she wanted to do was spank me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I always ran upstairs and got in my room and shut the door before she was able to. So I never got spanked. But uh, that's... It's really amazing, though, what what a like my mother. She didn't know any different, you know. She get frustrated, and uh, she thought maybe a good paddling would straighten me out. And uh, I don't I don't want to condone capital punishment, but I was in middle. I was in junior high. They call it. I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. Ninth grade was still junior high back in the in the fifties. I had this shop teacher, and uh, he was quote old he was probably in his 60s then but as usual i'm goofing around in class and he'd come up he wouldn't say a word he'd come up behind me and i'm telling you he i don't know if it's, what it's the proper term is but he bottom he bought <laughs> don't say seat he he, he got he, he pinched my bottom cheek <laughs> that is so wrong and inappropriate and illegal he, he could have gone to jail. He would. He'd pitch it, and then as I'd kind of scoot down, I wouldn't say a word. I, I, he wouldn't say a word. 
but I knew he was there. Oh, my God. As I was kind of stooping down to hopefully relieve a little bit of the pain. Oh, jeez. He grabbed my ear. Oh, dear. And pulled me up. Illegal. Go to jail, buddy. This was in probably 1952. Oh, dear Lord. Now, do you, do you think I went home and told my parents? Of course you didn't. Absolutely not. Yeah, but how come you never spanked or pinched our butt or pulled our ear? Like, you could have learned from that and said, oh, well, that worked for me. I'm going to do it to my kids. Stand by. <laughs> Stand by. There's still time. After getting me in this room here. Oh, I, my uh, gosh. I don't know. It, it taught me a lesson. I'm not sure it made me do any better in school. But back in those days, it was just kind of normal. But, you know, things have changed. And what's good back then just doesn't work right now. And another thing that you have the advantage of today is that there's so much more technology. There's so much more information available. We thought it was great to have 18 books of the encyclopedia in no. our house. We figured that's the only way to learn. Our oldest daughter, Jennifer, she was eight years old. And we surprised her at Christmas time with a TV that had a remote control. Whoa. And she was so excited. I don't know what I'd do today if I had three daughters with cell phones. So I, I could only imagine what you're going through. It just, with the technology, we didn't have any, they didn't have computers all through high school. So it really was, uh, we kind of escaped. It was a different world for sure. Now with all the girls and you know, you're the only guy in the house, did you ever wish that you had a son? No, I can't say I did because we just, this little town of Wasika, 7,000, 8,000 people, we just had so much fun. All you girls just had so much fun with each other. You might have had your squabbles, but it was nothing that's long lasting. And even today, when you when you three are really old. <laughs> okay, <laughs> simmer down. And uh, it's just a really tight-knit family, but we're fortunate that everybody that went through college, we all live within like two hours of each other, which is very fortunate. And uh, it, it's made life so much, so enjoyable that we don't have somebody in, in Texas and somebody in Seattle and somebody in Detroit. And uh, so we just had, we had Christmas together and, and uh, we're all, you know, we're, we're all within a few miles of each other. So it's just been a real great experience. And that's all by choice too. Cause like when I chose to go to college, I wanted a, a college that was within driving distance and not something that was out of state. So we are all choosing to be close to each other because we feel that nucleus is so powerful and so strong. And it's really great for our kids to be close to their aunts and uncles and their grandparents and their cousins. Like that's really important to all of us. And so I think that's the goal when you're raising children is that you want them to grow up and still have a very strong relationship with them. Even if they're in another state, that connection, even though they're flown and grown, you still want to have that connection with them, whether they're you know, two hours away, two minutes away, or two plane flights away, you still want that connection, no matter the, where they are. And so, Dad, you have six grandchildren, and they span from the in their 20s down to Grady, who's the youngest at nine. What is it like to be a grandparent now, seeing this from the other side of the point of view? You know, I thought about that. And the, what I see that I'm so happy about is that all my daughter's and there are three husbands. I think there's only three. <laughs> I hope there's only three husbands <laughs> and three daughters. Number one priority in their lives is their children. Life revolves around their children. And their children are, I think they're doing, they're all six are doing very well. But I think it has to do with the, with the 
commitment that their parents had made to put them such an important part of their life. And uh, that's what's enjoyable for me is just sit back and, and watch because their children are just number one and, and that that's what's gratifying to me. And that's the way wife and I had about our children is they were number one. And uh, I think maybe some of that's paying off today. Well, it's the ripple effect because we don't know any different other than just living and and breathing with your children, but not getting lost in your children also. Like having, like being able to enjoy them from the sidelines and knowing that they're going to grow and flow, fly away someday, but also enjoying them from a place of just like, there's such miracles and you gave us, you and mom both and David's parents too. And I think my sister's husband's parents gave such an example of family first, family first, family first. So that's all we really know. So going into all the games and supporting them, that's all we really know. So it's just kind of like, now that's all our kids are going to know when they raise their kids. So that's pretty cool. And what do you think you worried about most when you were younger, when we were younger and you were younger in the day-to-day as you're raising us? What were your biggest fears and worries? Back in those days, like with, with so little knowledge of, you know, if you want to read something, you got to go to the encyclopedia. Right now, you just click on a on a website and you learn all about whatever you want to find. A lot of it was just kind of hot, hot and peck for us. I mean, back in the 50s, my goodness, not 50s, it was actually the 60s. There just wasn't much information around. So I think the, 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 the experiences that we had from our parents and growing up really helped us get through. But we just had so much fun with the kids and it just made it, it made it easy. We always worried though that, you know, when they went out, we might, we want to make sure they made home, made it home all right. And especially when they got to be teenagers in high school, you know, they go out someplace and, and, uh, I know it hard, it hard for us to get to sleep until our, all of our chickens were back in the roost. <laughs> you know, it, it's, you just never know what goes on out there and, and, and but we've been very fortunate, nothing. We've had no catastrophes, and, and we're really blessed that way. What about when you were mom before you had kids? You were at the fair, and what happened there that kind of molded how you were going to raise children? I don't. I'm not sure if we, we were just married or hadn't been married at all. But we were at the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> it's kind of funny. This this they have this little game or this little uh, arcade where they have this this. Uh, you look over the railing and down about two feet, there's this white card spinning really kind of slow. And you have these uh, ketchup bottles and mustard bottles and stuff and, and you, with these different colors. You squirt down, you squirt, and as this thing goes around, it makes kind of a pattern. And this little girl was, was squirting some stuff, you know, and the mother was there, a little more green, a little more yellow, <laughs> you know, trying, it, I, even back then, we thought, we thought, my goodness, just let the child be a child and do something that that makes gives her a feeling of, of creativity. Mm -hmm. And yet the mother, she thought she was helping. I mean, I, you can't blame her. She felt that the best way to, for that child to succeed is for her to show her how to do everything. And even today, we're going back, God, I don't know, 60 years. Yeah. If we if we see something, we'll look at each other and say, a little more red, a yeah. little more red, a little yes. more green. It's just it's just 
it just it snaps that, you out of it. It's just something that stuck with us all this time. It's been a family story. We weren't even alive when it happened. And so whenever one of us gets a little controlling or a little bit like trying to control the raffia too much, we'll just go a little more red, a little more green. And it just snaps you out of it. Like, oh, okay, I'm in ego now. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in fear. Like just let go and let God take over. And so that little more red, little more green, even though it happened before we were even born, I think it shaped how they raised us was like, you paint your own, you paint your own canvas and we're here to hand you the paints, but in the end, you are in charge of the paints. And so when you think back in those, you know, 20 years when we were in our, in your home from probably like 1968 to when did I go to college? 1992. During that time span, what do you think the best part was in the day to day of raising us? Why are you laughing? What's so funny? What's so funny? <laughs> I could say that I'm trying to think, but uh, <laughs> no. You got you got you can't pull a can't pull a memory. They were so they were so involved with activities at school or they just when we moved we moved from one part of of uh, Florida to another part and that was a time when uh uh Kelly was going from elementary to middle molly's going from middle to high school and, and then jennifer had one year left of high school and uh it was kind of a challenge you know one time there we had we had five cars in the driveway Oof. and uh i had i had a great job for 20 years in florida it was a very stressful job but that doesn't mean it wasn't a great job i sometimes had trouble absorbing the stress so sometimes that would come home, and and that's why I stuck the bills under the under the desk. And sometimes it was it was kind of challenging, but it just seems like girls were the, the my daughter our daughters were always so busy, and there's always something going on, and it was just something that that we cared about. And so it, it even though we 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 had we didn't really have money issues, but it's something that. Uh, uh, it always came to mind, but it just seemed like it all worked out. And, and, and the kids, like I said, messy bedrooms and spending too much money isn't a big deal. But you said you're, I didn't even know you were stressed at your job until I became an adult and you started talking about the stress that you had and that you took it out on the bills and that that was what you were actually stressed about work and you took it out on the bills, but you weren't, you never took your stress out on us, nor did I even know that you were stressed out at work. I just thought you went to your job and you always seemed pretty happy-go-lucky. So I never really felt that. It was it was a rewarding job. Like I said, I did a great job, great benefits. I don't have any second thoughts at all. But it's just it's just part of maybe like daily living. You just have to you have to handle the stress. You have to handle the family, and with it with the daughters not causing any trouble except for the little messy bedrooms, it just. It, it just seemed to work out. Because I know. We weren't as angelic as you're thinking, though. I think you were like, either mom hid it from you or you just kind of blocked it out. I don't want to know these things. Because I felt like, yeah, you worked a full-time job and you were refereeing soccer games and you went for runs all the time. Yeah. I feel like you were had a lot going on for yourself, but you always made time for us. I never felt like you were working too much. I never felt you were refereeing too much or running too much or anything. You always, I always felt like you had so much time for us. So how did you manage your time where... You were able to balance all those balls in the air. You know, sometimes you look back and you say, you just have to do what you have to do. And it's not something that, that you can plan. It's not something you want to put into a hole and forget about it. It's something you have to face. And, and uh, one thing I thought that 
you keep talking about this, uh, Dr. Shivali and how she changed your life. And, and it, it, I, I, wish, I wish I had that when the kids were growing up. I'm telling you, it's the simplest thing in the world. You know, you, these kids, they, they, they look up at you, you know, and they got those big eyes and Santa's coming and all this stuff. And then they then they turn right around and they they uh, get upset because you give them a spoon instead of a fork. <laughs> it's just they got big feelings, and, and these kids, whether they're ten or in high school, mm -hmm. they have big feelings. And they don't know how to deal with them. Right. And so I think what my wife and I did, unknowingly, is we kept holding the space. We kept holding our hands out, saying it's okay. We'll get through this. And uh, one case where this kind of I never know what he's going to say. What is he? What are you going to talk about? Bali. Uh, oh dear. Bali had a. Uh, we had a nice red. Uh, uh, You're really going to go there? Oh, a nice dear. Chevy. It was kind of a hot car, two door. Had a had one of these spoilers in the front, you know, where the bumper kind of. And can we cut this part out? So Kelly, <laughs> Kelly and her friend, they went for a little ride, which was it was fine. with you, Allison. I know you're listening. We went for a little ride. They went for a little ride. Subway and. Uh, when they came back, Molly was getting ready to back to drive back to Tampa, where she went to uh, University of South Florida. And she comes back, and the spoiler the car was fine, but the spoiler had a big crack in it. And uh, I said, "What's this?" And uh, of course, I did not fess up. She said, "I don't know. <laughs> Can't figure out what happened." So anyway, that kind of went by the wayside, and, and uh, I took the spoiler off, and Molly took the car back, and. In the meantime, I bought a new one, and then when she came, I had it repainted. And then when Molly came back to town, I put it on. But uh, after, uh, I don't know if she told uh, her mother about it or not, but after a while, the, the, the truth came out. And kind of, Would you want to expand on that? <laughs> well, I'm wondering why this is coming up when I said, how did you manage to have time for us? And all of a sudden, we're talking about, I felt so much guilt that I was lying about it. So I finally confessed. And again, there was no yelling, screaming, freaking out. It was like, we're really disappointed you made that decision, Kelly. And I'm, that was like- I'm holding the space. You were holding the space, yes. We're gonna get through this. I fixed the spoiler. It's okay, we all make bad choices. You're not a bad person. Next time, let us know. We're disappointed you made this decision, that kind of thing. So they always were able to hold the space and they never freaked out over freak outable kind of things. So that's what I'm always encouraging you to do is to detach and hold the space and not freak out when they go off on the wrong path because my dad explains it when he was a kid. And also when we were going down the wrong path, it's just like, it's all going to work out. And these kids don't really belong to us. They're on loan to us from God, from the universe, from the stork, whatever you believe. And so when you just keep your cool and you hold the space, then they're going to learn how to do the same. And then the coolest part is that it's a ripple effect to their own kids when they start raising kids. Because I think you see that in with us raising our kids, we're a lot like what you guys were. And also, what is the saying that you say about you're only as happy as your what is that saying? And how, tell us some uh, more about that. Well, before, now you listeners must be wondering, oh, how did this spoiler get cracked? Oh, geez. Oh, you never told that part. Allison knows. Do we have to go into it? <laughs> and so it did come out later how it got cracked. But by that time, I'd already been through two or more payments of the uh, oh, hot iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. See? <laughs> and there's no halo here. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we went, we got all, we got all through that. What was the question? The question, okay, first of all, I was joyriding with Allison and there was a big, big hill. And so I wanted to catch air with the car and over I caught bridge, air on the, the bridge, bridge near the, the red bridge. 
And so there's these big hills, not hills, they're like bridges. And I wanted to catch air. So I caught air. But when I caught air and I came down, it hit the spoiler. So that's how the spoiler cracked. Now I can't even remember the, oh, the saying that you have about you're only as happy as your. Would, would, would you care as much about your children as we do and as our daughters do about their children? When one of your children is going through some stress, I am as only as happy as my unhappiest child. Mm. If I have one child who is going through some stress, I get stressed. Now, there's not a whole lot I can do about it, but it's just that I care so much about them that if I have one unhappy child, I'm only as happy as that child. So if they're all happy, I'm happy. If one, of, even, even if just one has a has a uh, a problem in her life, I'm concerned about it. And that's kind of what I think my parents and, and Mary's parents believed. And, and uh, I know my daughters, our daughters feel that way too. Yeah, and now you have six grandchildren too to, um, to worry about also. And I think that you've always been such a good empath that you hold the space and you you and mom have always been there for us, whether it's in the happiest times or in things that we're going through. And just knowing that we have that support system is so comforting to know. And when they can't even do anything about it, it's just comforting to know that they have that support because we know that like whenever you're carrying something very heavy, that it helps when you're having other people hold hold that cross with you and hold that, um, that it's a big cross to bear. So when you have other people holding that cross with you, it's a lot more easier to get through, even though there's nothing they can do about it. So just know that you're able to do that for your children and that also you have people in your life that are doing that for you. So are there any closing words you want to say before we wrap this up, Lenny Lou? I didn't know this would be as enjoyable as it turned out to be. <laughs> Thank the Lord. I, I must admit that uh, I have had this scheduled a few times in the past, but with being as clever as I am, I've been able to... Uh, uh, Hold off a little bit. Yeah, you're like a slippery snake. Can't get a hold of you. Oh, we'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. I'm going to be back in two weeks. What about then? Yeah, I, I live about, I live over in Naples, Florida, so I'm about a little over two hours away. But uh, this has been quite an experience, and, and I listen to these podcasts, and, and uh, I'm amazed how helpful they've been to me. 